thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. I love Easter, and I love the, the true whole message of the gospel, which means good news, right? It's good news, the price that Jesus paid for us, and this is the, the season that we get to celebrate that. We'll be doing like three weeks of Easter this week, next week, which is actually Easter, and then the following, and just to celebrate all that... Uh, Jesus has done for our lives. And, and we're going to continue in today uh, in, in the book of Luke as we celebrate the Easter message because it goes right into it. It really sets it up for us. So Luke 13, 1 through 9 is where we're at in text today. And again, you can follow on on this week's notes on the app or the little handout that's, if you're a note taker, you can do it in both spots, whether it's on your phone or on your uh, paper. So, now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Sounds kind of trippy, right? It's a little odd. Uh, it's literally speaking of Pilate, the ruler of that day, had, had actually murdered worshipers as they were worshiping Jesus. Their blood literally spilt on the sacrifices that they were making to the Lord. So their sacrifice was mixed with their own blood is what that's speaking of. Jesus 2, or Jesus 2, <laughs> passage 2, Jesus answered, he's Jesus 2. Okay, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll stop trying to cover. Uh, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living? In Jerusalem, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told them a parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it, fertilize it, and if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is an interesting passage here. And, and you know, just right now, from the get-go, after reading it, what do you think happens to the tree? Just kind of picture it in your head. Just kind of remember, what do you think happens to the tree? 
any guesses are good, but uh, we're actually told, uh, you know, we, we have no idea in the story because it's just a story. Uh, but, you know, we're, we don't know where it was going to end up, but I think Jesus gave a clue right there in verse 7 uh, when he started talking about the, the soil was good and the man in the vineyard, you know, was just begging for a little more time. I want to talk for a second about my lawn. And so I have a neighbor here that lives right across from me, so she'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, I have this little battle with my lawn. And, and, and our neighborhood's kind of interesting. I, I don't know about your house, but ours is a constant tug-of-war with moss. It's just a lot of moisture. In fact, during the winter, I had this new deal going on. I had like this mushroom patch just dominating the left side of our driveway. I'm like, what in the world is happening? You know, drainage isn't that good. And, you know, when they build the house, they don't necessarily put the right amount of topsoil down before they lay the sod. And it, you know, so it's, there's clay right underneath the grass. And it's, not, it's just not going to live that well. So, you know, we've got, we've got some challenges with our lawn. But we live in this neighborhood where it's kind of an unspoken competition of who can have the greenest grass, right? And like the most accurate trim and forever I was like, how do you get like the dirt and then the grass trim like straight and edged up about that high above the sidewalk and it just looks nice and every dog wants to stop there, but don't let them on my grass, you know? You know, it's that kind of deal. You kind of want to have that yard where the kids can go out and just run in slow motion, you know, like the <laughs> Scott's lawn commercial and you just want that soft cushy feeling on the bottom of their feet. And instead, my kids run out halfway through the summer into the backyard, and they're like, ow, oh, ee, ah, you know, and it's like, yeah, sorry, um, it dies, okay? So just deal with it, kids. And so it's that, it's that battle that you try to do. And, and uh, I had some friends come out years ago from Salt Lake. It was hilarious because they came out kind of in the early spring where it's usually raining. And uh, and so it was really soppy still, and you had yet to aerate or, or thatch and get all the moss out, you know. So I'm out there, like, uh, killing the moss. And they're from Salt Lake. They're like, everything's brown there, like everything. And so they were like, why in the world would you kill the green stuff? You know, they didn't get that. And it's like, well, it's killing the grass, which is the green stuff you want, because the moss gets crunchy in the summer. It hurts your feet, and they're just looking at you like, You've lost your marbles, you know, it's green, you know. I don't understand. Why would you do that? And uh, it's an interesting perspective for sure, but there's this challenge when you're trying to just get the right fertilizer in the right spots to help your lawn turn perfect, and you want the right drainage and the right soil, and, and, and so you're, you're trying to manage this, and you're tempted every once in a while in a big old you know, clover patch dominates anything you could try to kill it with that would be healthy for like weeks with your children back in the backyard. So you're like, what do I do? And there's this temptation to just dig it up and throw it out. And I think we're reading about that same temptation today, right? An illustration of a, a guy who owns a piece of land that just wants to dig up the grass and throw it out. Dig up the tree, cut it down and get it out of here because just like bad grass, that's the problem about the moss and the clovers and any other weeds, the dandelions that 
dominate. In our backyard, we have poison ivy that'll just show up. You don't want to run barefoot on that. You itch forever, right? So it's like, what do I do to, to defeat this? And, and there's this challenge that's there that, um, you know, I got, a, I got a really tight line I have to walk because I don't want to damage the soil so nothing else grows. But yet that bad weed, that moss, is taking the nutrients necessary for good grass to grow. So death is just expanding. And same in a vineyard. Same with fig trees. Same in a fruit orchard, which we should image. The image we should have is like a fruit orchard. And this bad tree that's bearing no fruit is stealing good nutrients that the trees around it could bear more fig trees by getting out of the soil. So this story illustrating is illustrating our need for repentance, and it's using it, this whole passage is using it through two historical moments that are only recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're only, this is only recorded here. Luke brings this out because he's writing to people so that they'll know for certain that Jesus is the Son of God, and he wants them to know He's really highlighting here that none of us are better sinners than anyone else, right? He's really highlighting here that we need a right perspective of of the soil, of the tree, and all these different things. So why should it use up the soil is the question that the owner asks, the gardener. I don't know. But yet... He begs for another year. He shows us God's mercy, right? If it's not producing fruit, cut it down. We're supposed to be fruit-bearing, if you would, as people. And this is an illustration and a challenge that Jesus is teaching. And I just grabbed two thoughts out of it that I wanted us to really catch today. And the first one I just gave away, but we are no better. We have to just walk through life with that mindset. We need to embrace the humility that's in it. We just need to say, we are no better. I can't look at someone. I can't walk through life and think, well, I'm better. They're a worse sinner because of, see, that happened to them. They're suffering, so they're a worse sinner than me is a wrong perspective. Jesus is just leveling that right here. No, he loves us all. So those who've passed away from sickness, they're not worse sinners than us. Those who are suffering, they're not a worse sinner than us. Those who've had an accident, they're not a worse sinner than us. Those who have gotten a bad diagnosis, they're not worse sinner than us. Those on the German wings flight that crashed into the Alps, they're no more guilty than you or I. The soccer team, did you hear about the Swedish soccer team that was tired and so they were returning and they just didn't want the long layover on that German Wings air flight this week? And so they thought, I'm not gonna, we're not going to take that flight because there's a long layover at the end of it. We're going to take three separate flights. And then when they land, they hear the reports of the German Wings flight they were supposed to be on crashing. 
and the, they, t- they start tweeting about it, and news agencies now, you know, grab all those tweets and filter them together so you can see the emotions that they're facing. And as I was reading that article and just the disaster and the tragedy that that is, and yet studying for this talk today, I couldn't help but go, that Swedish soccer team's no better than those who died in that crash. They're not less guilty than those who died in that crash. That's not the point. John 9, 2 through 3 says this, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Oh, so like because there's more moss in my yard than Joe's yard doesn't mean that uh, I'm a sinner (laughs) or a worse sinner and that she has this green thumb that grows grass better than me. No, that's not at all. You know, it's like, it's it's just grass grows better over there. Maybe. Maybe your water, maybe the water from your yard is making its way down (laughs) over to all the chemicals I'm pouring in are coming over to (laughs) you. Stressed. Okay. Job 22, 4 through 5 says this, is it for… Okay, so Job is, had the worst experience ever, right? He's the most faithful man before God, and so the enemy comes to God and says, let me test him, and God says, go for it. He's not going to turn your direction. He's not going to deny me. And, and so Job suffers. He's losing his kids, his wife. It's just all this horrible things happen to him, not because he's a worse sinner, but the religious people in his life show up, and they're like… Well, you know, what'd you do, Job? Sinful man, you, you know? And, and so, like, verse 4 through 5 of Job 22, is it, is it for your piety? Or pi- what is that word? Anyway, that you, he, piety that he rebukes you and brings charges against you is not your wickedness great? Are not your sins endless? Right? And I think that's the fear of a lot of people of church. They're like, oh, church people, you know? They're like, well, I things are going better with me than you, little sinner people, right? And that's, oh, that's not what we should be. We should be the servant and the lowest and the the serving one of everybody. That's our job. Our job is to love and be the least. Jesus was. The absence of tragedy in your life is not approval or blessing based on your behaviors, It's not approval or blessing based on your behaviors. We can't behave our way into Jesus' love. He loves us. I love a quote. I saw this trailer. Like Hillsong Worship Team has this movie that Hollywood's making about them. And this quote at the end of it by Jonathan Douglas, more known as JD. He's a long dude who jumps around the platform the whole time on Hillsong United and sweats and like drips on people. It's awesome. And he said this at the end. He says, does everything make sense? Absolutely not. But I think more things don't make sense without him. I was like, so I wrote that down and just read it to you because it's awesome. And then when that movie comes out called Let Hope Rise, we could go be encouraged by it. Our job is not to make sense of it all. And surely we're not to assume 
we are better than others because our life is at peace or things are going well or tragedy doesn't hit us. Not all evil is generated as punishment. It's just the world we live in. But we do have opportunity to have a covering and make choices that keep us under God's cover and put us in a path of blessing. We can make choices. And that's what Jesus is trying to say is, you know, okay, it's been three years of no fruit, but there's one more year, and then the cutting will happen. You know, then. So there is a short window. Get right. Repent now. We must all repent. And so he's giving a sense of urgency. If tragedy does come, we know our ultimate home if we've chosen to follow Jesus, if we've repented from our ways, which means to turn 180. If we're going from our way of living to going, okay, Jesus, help me out here. What's the choice, left or right? Your word says right. I'll go right. So it's like, wow. We're all going to die, and the issue is when, how, and will we have repented prior to death, thus leading to everlasting life, the promise. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. So, will we choose Jesus? Next week, we have a couple of awesome stories on video. I think they're amazing. We love to capture stories of people and either do it live or on video. We'll do video next week. And uh, one of them… She lost her husband in a head-on collision. And as she was sharing that story on video this week, it was, as we're recording it, it was unreal to hear her. There was a moment in the crash where she screamed out for him to make sure he was right with God. I was like, that heart, she woke up that day thinking, we need to just make sure we've repented and we're right with God. Jesus is trying to encourage that same thing, and, and, and there's people in our life that need to hear that same message of hope and that you're not condemned. Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to free us from shame and sin. That's the message next week. And if you know people you care about, that's why we'll invite them next week and just go crazy to make sure they are in a place to hear the grace and good news of Jesus this Easter season. Number two point, we must all repent and produce fruit. We not only need to repent, but now we need to produce fruit. So that's why this whole image of a fig tree is brought into the scenario. I've always found it interesting how the same soil produces different results. You know, I think it it is often, and I grew up on a 365-acre farm, so very familiar with the, like the week of chicken poop smell when we would scatter fertilizer on our field. I was like, why is that the best organic fertilizer? Because that reeks forever until it like soaks in and you get a good rain. And so you definitely want to fertilize at the right season. But you know, the soil allows some things to bear fruit and, and others to remain fruitless. And, and I worked on strawberry farms and blueberry farms and just saw this over and over again. But consider those in this story. Consider this story. You have, you have the man with the fig tree, right? It's, it's in his vineyard. He's the one saying, cut it down. 
Why should it use up the good soil? It was not the soil's fault, right, but the tree, because he said, why should it use up the good soil? Fig tree is the other character in this. You have this, the fig tree is supposed to bear fruit annually, and after the third year of a fig tree growing, it would be 15 to 25 feet in height. The fig itself would be about the size of a cherry. And uh, so here's this, this fruitless tree after three years. So I'm guessing it's probably three years after three years because he wouldn't have started checking for fruit until the third year. So we're actually talking about year six and seven in the story, and they would get that in the time because they'd be very familiar with these orchards of figs. And then you have the man who took care of the vineyard and wanted to dig around the roots to fertilize the tree at the source, at the roots, one more year. Again, a picture of God's mercy in light of a lack of repentance. And this tree has done nothing to deserve special treatment. I mean, it's, the tree can't ask for another year. It's, it's, it's the will of the man who took care of the vineyard, the gardener, that was to extend another year, extend mercy, and give all that was possible, nutrients, back to that fig tree. Sounds very familiar to 2 Peter 3.9. Listen to this. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's not slow. He's going to give us an, uh, he's going to give us a little more time. He wants all of us to follow him. We need to not abuse that grace, though. We have an opportunity to bear fruit. We, and, and, and it's interesting because the Bible says that it's fruit in keeping with repentance or, you know, the prerequisite for the fruit is repentance. It's humility. It's surrender. Something, time, you know, we just Time is short, and we need to embrace Jesus and embrace humility, turn from our wickedness and, and the temptations we have, and, and repent so that we can then be good soil to bear good fruit. Be a good orchard, if you would. Matthew 3, 8 through 10, it's John the Baptist talking, right? And he says in verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, and he was preparing the way for Jesus. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. And I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So that's the same thing Jesus is challenging later now, right? So, so we hear it from that source, and Jesus is saying, one more year, or it's going to be cut down. The axe is already sharpened and prepared and at the root. Jesus is helping us understand this same thing. Repent now so you can bear good fruit. Matthew seven seventeen says, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Thank you, Captain Obvious. That's one of those, ooh, good tree, good fruit, bad tree, whew, bad. Let's pray. You know, it's that one of those like, wow, Matthew, you're, 
Really made sense of that one, didn't you? Verse 18 says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. You should be a professor. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. And that was actually Jesus teaching. You know, Matthew's the one who recorded it, but it was like, Jesus sometimes doesn't bring the deepest revelation. It's pretty obvious, right? Good tree, good. Bad tree, tree, bad. Wouldn't be prudent. Not at this juncture, you know. And so, you just have this moment. Some, some pressed and challenged and, and, and stuff, open life when we first said, hey, we believe our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And they were like, I don't know the word lead. Some people don't see themselves as leaders. And, you know, so we had these conversations around that word, leading, and then like really saying people leading people in a growing relationship with Jesus and even putting it more on, on people and not just like staff or an inner circle, but it's like all of us in ministry sharing the good news with those we love. And so when we, we threw that, kept the word leading, obviously, and uh, because we do all influence in one way or another. We're a good tree or a bad tree, and we're going to bear fruit. There's no such thing as neutral. And if we think there's neutral, we make bad choices that look neutral, but it's bad. So we need to repent and bear good fruit. We need to lead in the right direction. We need to set the example this Easter and, 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 and every week, really, but Easter is just an open season in people's lives. And I know, man, we've got a spring break in Sumner School District this week, and then we have a spring break in the White River School District next week. And so families are going to be all over the place, but we shouldn't make excuses. We should still invite those we love. We should grab the invites. There's two in your handout, but you can grab thousand if you want. When you leave, you know, you just grab tons and maybe you're going to put candy with it and hand it to a neighbor or whatever. I don't know. But we need to make the most of the opportunity that's before us to invite people. And if you follow us on Instagram, which you definitely should, at Open Life Church, you know. Um, anyway, you'll even see, I put an invite on the Carbonado Bridge this week when I was out there having fun, showing around. Uh, you know, so it's just like, and then we went back up with the family one of my daughters is not a fan of heights, so she got to the edge of the bridge. But anyway, so we were out in, in, in this bridge, and we saw that invite had fallen down. It's like in a tree, inviting like a squirrel to church, but um, so it was pretty awesome. But we just had fun taking pictures and, and being really geeky doing that. But, uh, you know, I just, I look, however you invite people, maybe it's going to be on social media. You don't have to be present to invite people. If you're going to be on vacation, say, man, I wish I was at Easter at Open Life. You should go, you know. But do something. People need to repent. The time is short. There's a year left. The axe is at the stem. We need to just sense that urgency because we're all needing grace. None of us better than the other. None of us. You can't grow anything without God. I'll skip the John 15 passage, but that was the cue for the worship team to come up, so I'm going to mess you up by skipping it. So, cue. Uh, okay, so. Um, but I think churches in general struggle cutting down fruitless things. And John 15 talks about pruning versus cutting. And 
Uh, you can go read it on your own. I would way rather be pruned than cut down, <laughs> right? Sometimes the pruning hurts, but it's just like your grass. When you first mow it, I remember mowing it when it was like 70 degrees a few weeks ago, and you're like, oh, great, what am I going to do? You know, and so you, I mowed it, and then it's, now it's going to start growing, and I'm going to have to mow the stinking stuff every week again, you know? So it's, there was that moment of decision of, do I mow it? Because as soon as I mow it, it's going to grow. But yet, for some reason, in, in churches, we often, like, don't want to prune stuff. It could be very dead, and we don't want to snip it so that new growth can come. And I think that's what the parable is showing us. Man, if we would just remove this one fig tree, those fig trees that are producing fruit around it, that it's stealing nutrients from, I mean, shade is good, but that's not the goal. We're desiring fruit. And so, Jesus is saying, just cut it down in love so that it can grow, right? Sometimes you have to take a step back to take two steps forward. And I think that's our challenge is we need to look at our life and go, what do I need to repent from? What area of my life should I allow God to prune? I mean, we have to make that choice as a a church all the time. What area in the church do we need to prune? What ministry is just fruitless that we need to go, okay, that had a season, let's move on. It can often be our successes that hinder our future. It's like if we want to go to the next level, We've just made that church in the past. We said, man, if we want to go beyond a parental volunteer as a youth pastor to hiring a youth pastor that's going to be able to give 15 to 20 hours plus to students, what would it look like? And so we go through this process from November till now, hunting for a youth pastor. Finally found one a week ago. And uh, we'll make a formal introduction here in a couple weeks. John will join us next week for the first time. If you're on Instagram, you've seen his face. But anyway, um, so we're, uh, am I pushing that? I don't know why. It's just free. We're putting messages on there every day and being artistic and geeky. But anyway, so, you know, so, but it wasn't, you know, making a transition from one leader to a next. That's like a pruning season. It's uncomfortable, it's hard, it's messy, it's awkward but we have to do it because we love our community. And there's so much opportunity. We have to make choices. Man, I look at Romans 7, 4 through 6. My brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, and so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we've been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. There's a new code, and it's love and mercy. Time is short. God is merciful, and He wants us to turn to Him, turn away from our own ways, turn to Him, turn to His Word and look to Him. This is the week. This is the week. Friday's the day that He was faithful all the way through every prophetic word, sinless life, made His way to the cross, and He gave His body and His blood as the ultimate atoning sacrifice, as the body would call it. It erased all sin. 
And so today we're going to celebrate during our reflection time, and hopefully you filled out your connection card, and there's response options on the back, and, and, and we do want to know that. Or if you're on your device, you know, there's response options on there. We want to celebrate with you if you make a decision to follow Jesus or restart a relationship with Jesus or whatever else you check on there. But today we're going to celebrate in kind of a cool way, in two different ways, really. There's an opportunity to receive communion, a challenge that Jesus gave His disciples before He went to the cross. He took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And He took a cup and drank it. It's grape juice, just in case you were wondering. And, uh, you know, and so we, you took the, we take the bread and we dip it in the juice and just eat it. We don't all take it once. We just give you an opportunity, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, to, to celebrate in the price He paid symbolically with bread in representation of his body and the juice in representation of his blood. He did that with his disciples and challenged us to do this in remembrance of him. So how could we not remember him today and the price he paid on the cross for us? And next Sunday, we'll celebrate the fact that three days later, he rose from the grave. His promise of eternal life is true. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. So maybe not only you need this moment of reflection on his body and his blood, but you need prayer. You came today and you're just like, man, I, I'm suffering and I'm kind of broken. I mean, my life is a representation of this egg and I need prayer. We want to pray with you. So I know we'll be down here too as Jamie sings a song and we're available to pray with you if you want one-on-one prayer. You could jot a prayer request on your connection card too if you don't want to pray with somebody personally, but we just want to pray with you. If you need some breakthrough, if you just want to say, here I am, God, I want to repent. I want to, not that you need a confessional or, or a priest to do that, but maybe it would help to have someone pray with you. Maybe you're sick and you need healing. Jesus went to the cross so that we could be healed. So I want to pray and allow Jesus to just stir in us a response. Then when we're done with communion and prayer, I'll come back up and we'll close out. So God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to to receive communion today, to remember the price you paid on the cross, but as well, Lord, the promise that you fulfilled when you rose again. So we celebrate the price of the body and the blood today. and, And as well, Lord, If there's somebody here today that's yet to receive you, you make it clear in your word, we should receive you before we take communion. We should get right with you. We should repent before you before we take communion so we don't drink judgment on ourselves or eat judgment on ourselves and and have a mixed message of our relationship with you and the body and the blood. And so today, Lord God, I just pray if somebody's yet to receive you as Lord, that they would just say it right now, Jesus. I choose you. I want to follow you. I want to grow in a relationship with you. And and I want to be one that could carry that good news to others. Help me. Strengthen me. Help me not be so clunky when I try to share Jesus with someone. Give me the strength in your heart to see correctly that I'm not better than them. We're all humans. Just give me your mercy so that I could pass it on to others. And Jesus, mighty name. Amen. Can you stand with me? Thank you for joining us today. 
If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.